Section 10 of Lives of the Most Eminent Painters, Sculptors, and Architects, Volume 7, by Giorgio Vasari, translation by Gaston de C. de Vere. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Rita Boutros. Bacchio Bandinelli, Sculptor of Florence, Part 5. Having finished these statues, he set his hand to the statue of Pope Leo for this work, and carried it well forward. Then, perceiving that the work was proving very long, that he was now never likely to attain to the completion of his original design for the façades right round the palace, that a great sum of money had been spent, and much time consumed, and that for all this the work was not half finished, and gained little approval from the people, he set about thinking of some new fantasy, and began to attempt to remove from the duke's mind the thought of the palace, believing that his excellency also was weary of that work. Thus then, having made enemies of the proveditors and of all the stone-cutters in the office of works of Santa Maria del Fiore, which was under his authority, while the statues that were destined for the audience-chamber were, after his fashion, some only blocked out and others finished and placed in position, and the ornamentation in great part built up, wishing to conceal the many defects that were in the work, and little by little to abandon it, he suggested to the duke that the wardens of works of Santa Maria del Fiore were throwing away his money and no longer doing anything of any importance. He said that he had therefore thought that His Excellency would do well to divert all that useless expenditure of the office of works into making the octagonal choir of the church and the ornaments of the altar, the steps, the dioceses of the duke and the magistrates, and the stalls in the choir for the canons, chaplains, and clerks, according as was proper for so honorable a church. Of this choir, Filippo di Sor Brunellesco had left the model in that simple framework of wood, which previously served as the choir in the church, intending in time to have it executed in marble, in the same form, but more ornate. Bacchio reflected, besides the considerations mentioned above, that in this choir he would have occasion to make many statues, and scenes in marble, and in bronze for the high altar, and all around the choir, and also for two pulpits of marble that were to be in the choir, and that the base of the outer side of the eight faces might be adorned with many scenes in bronze let into the marble ornamentation. Above this he thought to place a range of columns and pilasters to support the cornice right round, and four arches distributed according to the cross of the church, of which arches one was to form the principal entrance, opposite to another rising above the high altar, and the two others were to be at the sides, one on the right hand and another on the left, and below these last two were to be placed the pulpits. 
Over the cornice was to be a range of balusters, curving right round above the eight sides, and over the balusters a garland of candelabra, in order, as it were, to crown the choir with lights, according to the seasons, as had always been the custom while the wooden model of Brunelleschi was there. Pointing out all this to the duke, Bacchio said that His Excellency, with the revenues of the Office of Works, namely of Santa Maria del Fiore and of its wardens, and with that which his liberality might add, in a short time could adorn that temple and give great grandeur and magnificence to the same, and consequently to the whole city of which it was the principal temple, and would leave an everlasting and honorable memorial of himself in such a structure and besides all this he said his excellency would be giving him an opportunity of exerting his powers and of making many good and beautiful works and also by displaying his ability of acquiring for himself name and fame with posterity which should be pleasing to his excellency since he was his servant and had been brought up by the house of the medici with these designs and these words bacchio so moved the duke that consenting that such a structure should be erected his excellency commissioned him to make a model of the whole choir departing from the duke then bacchio went to his architect giuliano de bacchio d'agnolo and discussed the whole matter with him and after they had gone to the place and examined everything with diligence, they resolved not to depart from the form of Filippo's model, but to follow it, adding only other ornaments in the shape of columns and projections, and enriching it as much as they could, while preserving the original design and form. But it is not the number of parts and ornaments that renders a fabric rich and beautiful, but their excellence— however few they may be provided also that they are set in their proper places and arranged together with due proportion it is these that give pleasure and are admired and having been executed with judgment by the craftsmen afterwards receive praise from all others this giuliano and bacchio do not seem to have considered or observed, for they chose a subject involving much labor and endless pains, but wanting in grace, as experience has proved. The design of Giuliano, as may be seen, was to place at the corners of all the eight sides pilasters bent round the angles, the whole work being composed in the Ionic order, and these pilasters, since in the ground plan they were made, with all the rest of the work, to diminish towards the centre of the choir and were not even, necessarily had to be broad on the outer side and narrow on the inner, which is a breach of proportionate measurement and since each pilaster was bent according to the inner angles of the eight sides, the extension lines towards the center so diminished it that the two columns that were one on either side of the pilaster at the corner caused it to appear too slender, and produced an ungraceful effect both in it and in the whole work, both on the outer side and likewise on the inner, although the measurements there are correct. 
Giuliano also made the model of the whole altar, which stood at a distance of one braccio and a half from the ornament of the choir. For the upper part of this, Bacchio afterwards made in wax a Christ lying dead with two angels, one of whom was holding his right arm and supporting his head on one knee, and the other was holding the mysteries of the Passion, which statue of Christ occupied almost the whole altar, so that there would scarcely have been room to celebrate Mass, and bacchio proposed to make this statue about four braccia and a half in length he made also a projection in the form of a pedestal behind the altar attached to it in the centre with a seat upon which he afterwards placed a seated figure of god the father six braccia high and giving the benediction and accompanied by two other angels each four braccia high kneeling at the extreme corners of the predella of the altar on the level on which rested the feet of god the father this predella was more than a braccio in height and on it were many stories of the passion of jesus christ which were all to be in bronze and on the corners of the predella were the angels mentioned above both kneeling and each holding in the hands a candelabrum which candelabra of the angels served to accompany eight large candelabra placed between the angels and three braccia and a half in height which adorned that altar and god the father was in the midst of them all behind god the father was left a space of half a braccio in order that there might be room to ascend to kindle the lights under the arch that stood opposite to the principal entrance of the choir on the base that ran right round on the outer side bacchio had placed directly under the centre of that arch the tree of the fall round the trunk of which was wound the ancient serpent with a human face and two nude figures were about the tree one being adam and the other eve on the outer side of the choir, to which those figures had their faces turned, there ran lengthways along the base a space about three braccia long, which was to contain the story of their creation, either in marble or in bronze, and this was to be pursued along the faces of the base of the whole work, to the number of twenty-one stories, all from the Old Testament, and for the further enrichment of this base he had made for each of the sacles upon which stood the columns and pilasters a figure of some prophet either draped or nude to be afterwards executed in marble a great work truly and a marvellous opportunity likely to reveal all the art and genius of a perfect master whose memory should never be extinguished by any lapse of time this model was shown to the duke and also a double series of designs made by bacchio which both from their variety and their number and likewise from their beauty for the reason that bacchio worked boldly in wax and drew very well pleased his excellency and he ordained that the masonry work should be straightway taken in hand devoting to it all the expenditure administered by the office of works and giving orders that a great quantity of marble should be brought from Carrara. 
Bacchio, on his part, also set to work to make a beginning with the statues, and among the first was an Adam, who was raising one arm, and was about four braccia in height. This figure was finished by Bacchio, but, since it proved to be narrow in the flanks, and somewhat defective in other parts, he changed it into a Bacchus, and afterwards gave it to the duke, who kept it in his palace many years, in his chamber, and not long ago it was placed in a niche, in the ground-floor apartments which His Excellency occupies in summer. He had also made a seated figure of Eve of the same size, which he had half finished, but it was abandoned on account of the Adam, which it was to have accompanied. For having made a beginning with another Adam, in a different form and attitude, it became necessary for him to change also the Eve, and the original seated figure was converted by him into a Ceres, which he gave to the most illustrious Duchess Leonora, together with an Apollo, which was another nude that he had executed and Her Excellency had them placed in the ornament in front of the fish-pond, the design and architecture of which are by Giorgio Vasari in the gardens of the Pitti Palace. Bacchio worked at these two figures with very great zeal, thinking to satisfy the craftsmen and all the world as well as he had satisfied himself and he finished and polished them with all the diligence and lovingness that were in him. He then set up these figures of Adam and Eve in their place, but when uncovered they experienced the same fate as his other works, and were torn to pieces with savage bitterness in sonnets and Latin verses, one going to the length of suggesting that even as Adam and Eve, having defiled paradise by their disobedience, deserved to be driven out, so these figures, defiling the earth, deserved to be expelled from the church nevertheless the statues are well proportioned and beautiful in many parts and although there is not in them that grace which has been spoken of in other places and which he was not able to give to his works yet they display so much art and design that they deserve no little praise a lady who had set herself to examine these statues, being asked by some gentleman what she thought of these naked bodies, answered, About the man I can give no judgment, and being pressed to give her opinion of the woman, she replied that in the eve there were two good points, worthy of considerable praise, in that she was white and firm, whereby she contrived ingeniously, while seeming to praise, covertly to deal a shrewd blow to the craftsman and his art, giving to the statue the praise proper to the female body, which it is also necessary to apply to the marble, the material, and which is true of it, but not of the work, or of the craftsmanship. For by such praise the craftsmanship is not praised, Thus then that shrewd lady hinted that in her opinion nothing could be praised in that statue save the marble. 
Bacchio afterwards set his hand to the statue of the dead Christ, which likewise not succeeding as he had expected, he abandoned it when it was already well advanced, and taking another block of marble, began another Christ in an attitude different from the first, and together with that the angel who supports the head of Christ on one leg, and with one hand his arm and he did not rest until he had finished entirely both the one figure and the other. When arrangements were made to set it up on the altar, it proved to be so large that it occupied too much space, and there was no room left for the ministrations of the priest. And although this statue was passing good, and even one of Bacchio's best, nevertheless the people, the ordinary citizens no less than the priests, could never have their fill of speaking ill of it and picking it to pieces. Recognizing that to uncover unfinished works injures the reputation of a craftsman in the eyes of all those who are not of the profession, or have no knowledge of art, or have not seen the models, Bacchio resolved, in order to accompany the statue of Christ and to complete the altar, to make the statue of God the Father, for which a very beautiful block of marble had come from Carrara. And he had already carried it well forward, making it half-nude after the manner of a Jove, when, since it did not please the Duke, and appeared to Bacchio himself to have certain defects, he left it as it was and even so it is still to be found in the office of works. Bacchio cared nothing for the words of others, but gave his attention to making himself rich and buying property. He bought a most beautiful farm called Lo Spinello, on the heights of Fiesoli, and another with a very beautiful house called Il Canton, in the plain above San Salvi, on the river Africo and a great house in the Via de Ginori, which he was enabled to acquire by the monies and favours of the duke. Having thus secured his own position, Bacchio thenceforward cared little to work or to exert himself, and although the tomb of Signor Giovanni was unfinished, the audience chamber of the great hall only begun, and the choir and altar behindhand, he paid little attention to the words of others or to the censure that was laid upon him on that account. However, having erected the altar and set into position the marble base upon which was to stand the statue of God the Father, he made a model for this and finally began it, and, employing stone cutters, proceeded to carry it slowly forward. There came from France in those days Benvenuto Cellini, who had served King Francis in the matter of goldsmith's work, of which he was the most famous master of his day, and he had also executed some castings in bronze for that king. Benvenuto was introduced to Duke Cosimo, who, desiring to adorn the city, showed also to him much favor and affection, and commissioned him to make a statue of bronze, about five braccia high, of a nude Perseus standing over a nude woman representing Medusa, whose head he had cut off, which work was to be placed under one of the arches of the loggia in the piazza. While he was executing the Perseus, Benvenuto also did other things for the duke. 
now even as it happens that the potter is always the jealous enemy of the potter and the sculptor of the sculptor bacchio was not able to endure the various favors shown to benvenuto it appeared to him a strange thing also that benvenuto should have thus changed in a moment from a goldsmith into a sculptor nor was he able to grasp in his mind how a man who was used to making metals and little things could now execute colossal figures and giants bacchio could not conceal his thoughts but express them freely and he found a man able to answer him for bacchio saying many of his biting words to benvenuto in the presence of the duke benvenuto who was no less proud than himself took pains to be even with him and thus arguing often on the matters of art and their own works and pointing out each other's defects they would utter the most slanderous words of one another in the presence of the duke who because he took pleasure in this and recognized true genius and acuteness in their biting phrases had given them full liberty and license to say whatever they pleased about one another before him provided that they did not remember their quarrel elsewhere this rivalry or rather enmity was the reason that bacchio pressed forward his statue of god the father but he was no longer receiving from the duke those favors to which he had been accustomed and he consoled himself for this by paying court and doing service to the duchess one day among others that they were railing at one another as usual and laying bare many of each other's actions benvenuto glaring at bacchio and threatening him said prepare yourself for another world bacchio for i mean to send you out of this one and bacchio answered let me know a day beforehand so that i may confess and make my will and may not die like the sort of beast that you are by reason of which the duke who for many months had found amusement in their quarrels bade them be silent fearing some evil ending and caused them to make a portrait bust of himself from the girdle upwards both to be cast in bronze to the end that he who should succeed best should carry off the honours amid this rivalry and contention bacchio finished his figure of god the father which he arranged to have placed in the church on the base beside the altar this figure was clothed and six braccia high and he erected and completely finished it but in order not to leave it unaccompanied he summoned from rome the sculptor vincenzo de rossi his pupil wishing to execute in clay for the altar all that remained to be done in marble and he caused vincenzo to assist him in finishing the two angels who are holding the candelabra at the corners and the greater part of the scenes on the predella and the base having then set everything upon the altar in order to see how his work when finished was to stand he strove to prevail on the duke to come and see it before he should uncover it but the duke would never go and although entreated by the duchess who favoured bacchio in this matter he would never let himself be shaken and did not go to see it being angered because among so many works bacchio had never finished one even after his excellency had made him rich and had won odium among the citizens 
by honouring him highly and doing him many favours. For all this his excellency was disposed to assist Clemente, the natural son of Bacchio, a young man of ability, who had made considerable proficience in design, because it was likely to fall to him in time to finish his father's works. End of section 10. Bacchio Bandinelli, Sculptor of Florence, part 5.